and it is Jesus who makes this a glorious day. Welcome to this morning's broadcast. Glad you could join us. Please turn in your Bible to Revelation chapter 2, verse 1. God gives us the cure for a Christian's heart, which has left its first loving of Jesus. The ancient church at Ephesus needed to live by his remedy. Three R's. Remember, repent, repeat. Remember, repent, repeat. And now with his message for today is Pastor Robert Elliott. I don't know a lot about computers. I'm grateful when mine works. But I do know that if you get something that the computer judges to be a corrupted file, it negatively affects all kinds of functions on the computer. When we have a corrupted love for Jesus, it affects all kinds of functions in the body of Christ, the church. And so we don't want to let our love for Jesus be corrupted. We want to love him with an incorruptible love. I know you want that, and I want that. Now, the good news is that the remedy for the ancient church at Ephesus is the same remedy for you and me if we need that remedy. Verse 5, therefore remember from where you have fallen and repent and do the deeds you did at first or else I'm coming to you and will remove your lampstand out of its place. So what is the remedy if you feel you have a cooled off heart toward Jesus? If he's not the one you love the most anymore, what's the remedy? Three things with R, remember, repent, and repeat. Remember, repent, and repeat. Let's unpack these a little bit. What are we to remember? We are to remember the grace of God. God giving us what we don't deserve that is good. Remember grace. That grace caused us to be saved in the past. That grace is currently saving us from the power of sin. And one day grace will save us from the presence of sin. We'll be in heaven. Remember grace. The second R is repent. Repent means to change your mind so that it changes your behavior. If you don't change your mind, you haven't repented. But if you don't change your mind and then also change your behavior about something, you haven't repented. To be sorry for sin is not full repentance. To be sorry for sin and then to be different and to avoid it as much as you possibly can in the strength of God, that is repentance. Repentance is the sense you're going the wrong way away from the word of God and the, and the character of God. You stop, you change your mind and say, I want to go that way, but then you turn around in the spirit strength and you go the right way. Repentance changes the mind so that it changes the behavior. What's the remedy for a cold heart toward Jesus? Remember grace, repent, and then go back to repeat the basics of your Christian life. The basics. What, Pastor Rob, worship like we're doing today? Prayer, confession of sin, a daily bath in the Bible, fellowship with other believers, putting on the armor of God every morning, Ephesians 6, coming to the communion table, with other believers, practical holiness, loving actions, serving Christ with at least the one spiritual gift you have. Some of us have more than one. Everybody has at least one. 
The great news is that cold hearts can be warmed by God as we remember, repent, and repeat. Now, in verse 5, there's a very strong incentive for us if our hearts would be cold, an incentive to put Jesus first again. Do you see at the end of the verse? Do the deeds you did at first, or else I am coming to you and will remove your lampstand out of its place unless you repent. You know, when I first moved to Milford, I thought it was very curious that there were two Rite Aid drugstores in town. You know, you say, I'll meet you at the Rite Aid. Which one? There's a sale on at the Rite Aid. Which one? Did you notice one of them has just now shut down? They've got their shelving and refrigeration units for sale. And now we just have the one Rite Aid. When I look at Jesus threatening the church at Ephesus to take away their lampstand, sort of like that to me. Somewhere in the Rite Aid headquarters, they figured that to be more profitable in Milford, they should have one Rite Aid and not two. So they made a decision to take away the Rite Aid that's near the Penn Star Bank, to shut it down as a Rite Aid, and just to go with the Rite Aid by the Demick Inn. Jesus Christ is head of the church. If a local church goes long enough with cold enough hearts long enough, he has every right to take away the lampstand. And you and I both have seen churches buildings, their doors have been padlocked and they've been repurposed as restaurants or other things. Now that is not to say that the Christians with the cold hearts that have their local churches shut down by Jesus lose their salvation. We know salvation is secure in Christ. But it is sad when what was once a lampstand, Jesus deems no longer fit to be a lampstand of his. And that was the warning he gave them in verse 5. I am coming to you and will remove your lampstand out of its place unless you repent. Unless you love me first, priority again. Unless I'm Lord and Savior and life. This church, good news, this church in ancient Ephesus must have repented because they survived until the 5th century A.D. They survived four more centuries. 400 plus years this church survived. They must have repented. Verse 6, let's see that. Yet this you do have, that you hate the deeds of the Nicolaitans, which I also hate. The Nicolaitans were apostates. They knew the truth, but they fell away from the truth. That's what an apostate is. An apostate is someone who knows Bible doctrine and then falls away from it. So they were apostates, therefore they were enemies of the Ephesian church. They were a temptation to the Ephesian church because in their apostasy from sound doctrine, they went wild sexually in their behaviors. And they claimed that God would forgive them their sexual behaviors because of his abounding grace. That's what the Nicolaitan cult was about. Verse 7. He who has an ear to hear, let him hear what the Spirit says to the churches. To him who overcomes, I will grant to eat of the tree of life, which is in the paradise of God. So they were called to overcome, and we are still called to overcome. And what is the biblical definition of overcoming? Well, listen, 1 John 5, 4 and 5 defines what it is to overcome. Are you ready? For whatever is born of God overcomes the world. And this is the victory that has overcome the world, our faith. 
Who is the one who overcomes the world but he who believes that Jesus is the Son of God? Every genuine, born-again, authentic Christian is an overcomer, according to this definition. Everyone who has a genuine, true faith in Jesus Christ alone for salvation is an overcomer. The normal answer to the question is, are you an overcomer, should be, yes, I'm a saved Christian, I'm an overcomer. So all true believers in Jesus can and should overcome. And what was the prospect presented in verse 7 if they would overcome? Let's see it again. He who has an ear, let him hear what the Spirit says to the churches. To him who overcomes, I will grant to eat of the tree of life, which is in the paradise of God. Do you remember the tree of life? <laughs> what a great concept that was in the Garden of Eden. Genesis 2.9, out of the ground the Lord God caused to grow every tree that is pleasing to the sight and good for food. And here it is, the tree of life also in the midst of the garden. So right in the middle of Eden, God had the tree of life. But there was another tree in the middle of the garden, the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, right? Skipping down to Genesis 3.22-24, and then the Lord said, behold... This is after they partook of the forbidden fruit from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. Behold, the man has become like one of us, knowing good and evil. And now he might stretch out his hand and take from the tree of life and eat and live forever. God said that in that state of alienation from him due to sin, that if they had eaten of the tree of life in that state of being alienated from God by their sin, that would have been perpetual, eternal alienation from God. And God, in his love and mercy and grace, stood in the place of them not getting to the tree of life when they were fallen into sin. What a savior. What a compassion. What a mercy. Thanks, Pastor Rob, for your message today. And now it's time for Youth Talk with Pastor Nicholas Rogers. Good morning. This is Pastor Nicholas Rogers. And this morning we want to talk about something that right now we are in that season where many of us are going to different graduations, um, whether for ourselves or as a parent. You know, this is another step in life that our kids or ourselves are taking into the new arising of our lives, a new, a new chapter of our lives. And this morning we want to talk about something that I think that every young person, whether you have just graduated or whether or not you're going to graduate in a couple of years, is a very important message. We live in a time where many people are coming with different things that they say is truth. Uh, people will tell you that uh, the Muslim religion is true. They'll tell you that Buddhist religion is true. They'll tell you that a lot of things are truth. And the most important thing that we can think of this morning as we um, look into God's words, we need to understand that it all boils down to what type of foundation we truly have. As we know that in a house or whatever you're going to build, the foundation is the strongest thing. And if the foundation isn't strong, the whole house is going to collapse. It's the same thing in our lives. If we have no foundation in the word of God, then our whole belief system is going to collapse. You know, there may be a young person listening this morning, and you know, you may say to yourself, I have been going to church since I was a little boy or girl. Since Sunday school and I go to youth group, I go to church every time the door is open for me. The question I have for you this morning is this. Is your faith truly your faith? Or is it just your teacher's faith? Or is it your parents' faith? Because the reality for each one of us is this, is that we can say we believe the Bible, we know the Bible, but when we get to a point when we leave this place or leave underneath our parents' roof and we have to make choices for ourselves, where is our foundation? 
what are we going to do with the foundation that we have? Is our foundation strong enough to um, come against other religions where people may throw at us as we go off to school or even here at the University of the Bahamas? You see, we need to understand that God tells us that we need to have a strong foundation. You know, when we sit and think of today's society and we think of today's world, there are many people who are trying to venture into all sorts of different things because they, they go on the Internet and they see these different things. They think, oh, I want to try that. Oh, I'm not sure I believe that. This morning, we want to really focus on and ask yourself, what do you believe? Because the foundation of what you believe will carry you upon anything that's going to come into your life. And I want to talk about a story that Jesus used in Matthew chapter 7, starting at verse 24. When we think about this particular passage, we have all heard this before in our lives. We've all sang a Sunday school song to it. But do we truly understand exactly what it's saying? It says that, Therefore, everyone who hears these words of mine and acts on them will be like a wise man who built his house on the rock. The rain fell and the rivers rose and the winds blew and pounded that house, yet it didn't collapse because it's a foundation was on the rock. Here we have a person who has a very strong foundation in the Word of God. They know what they believe. They understand that exactly, you know, if someone comes against them, they can show them from God's Word, this is what God's Word says about it. Again, we live in a world where people discount the Word of God. They say that the Word of God is an old book. It is not true anymore. And this is where our true foundation and knowing what we believe comes from. We need to know what it is we truly believe. Not what our parents have told us, not what our youth pastors have told us or our Sunday school teachers. What do we believe? Because when we leave underneath our parents' roof and when we leave the church and we go somewhere else, we have to answer for ourselves. It's going to come a day when you stand before God and say, well, I'm a born-again believer because my parents went to church and I went to church. No, it is all about you. What is it that you believe? What is it that you put your trust and faith in Jesus Christ? And here we see in this particular passage, it is talking about a person who has a strong foundation that they have their house built on the rock, the Word of God. Again, like I said, we sang the Sunday school song and we've, we know exactly what it says as we think of when rains came and the winds blew, you know, they stood firm because they were built on a strong foundation, which is the Word of God. You know, we have just entered the hurricane season. As we think of the hurricane season, we think of our lives when winds and when people come into our lives and they throw these things at us, what's going to happen to us? Are we going to stand firm because we have a strong foundation? Or are we going to crumble as we're going to read as we see in verse 26? It says this, But everyone who hears these words of mine and doesn't act on them will be like a foolish man who built his house on sand. The rain fell, the rivers rose, the winds blew, and pounded that house, and it collapsed. It collapsed with great crash. Just picture that for a second. As we think of, of storms coming in your life, as we think of problems coming in, we need to make sure that we are on a strong foundation. It would be unwise if we knew that a, a catastrophic hurricane was coming through to just stay in a house where we knew that, you know what, if we stay in this house, we can either have surge come in our house or we can have winds that will blow our house down. It would not be wise for us. We should find a shelter. Well, here it is. We have the Word of God as our shelter. We have the Word of God as our foundation. This is what we can build on. This is what we have to understand and know what we believe because God's Word is truth. 
God's word never grows old. God's word is always there for us. God is always there. But what good is it if we just have a lot of versions of the Bible, but we don't really study it for ourselves? You know, we have a, a program here at the church that, that we have had for 40 some years and I want to, and, we, and we know that one of the key verses is this, study to show thyself approved unto God, a workman that need not to be ashamed, rightly dividing the word of truth. We have to know what you believe. We have to know exactly how to defend our faith because no one else is going to defend our faith. No one else can, can we say, well, you know, let me come back to you. No, we need to know what we believe. Yes, there will come times in our lives when we don't know everything. But it's just like us in school. As you think of the next chapter of your life, whether you go in school, whether you go to work, as you graduate, what are you going to do when someone comes against you? What if you don't know how to do something? What you're going to do is you're going to study hard. You're going to get to know how to do that. And you're going to keep on doing until you get good at it. And that's the same thing with the Word of God. When we sit and think of God's Word and we think of that, we need to study it. We need to know exactly what it is we believe because this is our foundation to everything that we go through in life. I would challenge you this morning. If you've just graduated from high school and going to college or even you graduated from college and going into the work field and you call yourself a born-again believer, make sure that in everything that you do, that the Word of God is the foundation to your life and everything that you do because this will keep you on the right path to what God has for you. And now, today's ministry spotlight. This morning, I'm pleased to be in the recording studio with Dr. Marlene Heiler, who is a professional counselor. She's the co-founder of the New Providence Classical School, and she has been a supported missionary with Campus Crusade for Christ. Good morning, Sister Marlene. Good morning. We want to talk this time around about um, being a faith-supported Christian worker. And first of all, let's ask you, please, to define a faith-supported Christian worker. Well, that would be a Christian worker whose the means of salary is from financial contributions of churches, organizations, and individuals. So the, the faith dimension of that is that there's not a massive reservoir of money with some corporation or no. church no. that guarantees you your salary. No. But the faith is that you're looking to God to, first of all, uh, raise up supporters who are willingly uh, going to regularly support your ministry with money. Exactly. And that you'll have enough of them. Exactly. You, When you sign up with a mission agency or a church that operates a mission agency, there would be an index. For instance, if you, you're called Chile, they will know, or an organization, you do the research and find out for a man and a wife and two children to live in Chile, this is the amount of money you need per month to live. Mm -hmm. If you're going to be in the United States to live in California and New York, I think are the highest support amount of support you have to raise and so you either say you have to raise a specific amount is it six thousand a month twelve thousand a month you know how much you need to raise to go to the mission field and that can take it's taking longer than it used to take so sometimes it can take two to three years to raise your mission support and sometimes for the family or for the individual it's a test to know god are you really calling me mm -hmm. and uh some regions are more familiar, you know, 
for instance, in the United States, you give a lot. It's Giving to charity and getting a tax deduction is a part of the culture. Yes, it is. And so if you're from a culture like the Bahamas where people don't get credit or they don't get a tax deduction for giving, it could be complicated. And even the, say, Bahamian families who sign up to support you, sometimes they don't realize how serious that commitment is, that the only reason you're going is because your agency permitted you to go because X amount of people committed to give a certain amount per month. And so sometimes, if you're depending on families, that can go up and down. I must say, Calvary Bible was a supporter of mine, and Calvary Bible, the check always came every month. Calvary Bible has been very good in following through on giving to the missionaries they're committed to. And I have to say thank you you for that. Well, on behalf of the church family, say you're welcome. It's our pleasure. Uh, that's certainly important on a church's end to honor the commitments we make to our uh, wonderful missionaries. Um, what are some of the blessings and some of the challenges of living with that kind of a setup as a faith-supported Christian worker? There are three major blessings. One would be you living the Word of God. The Word of God says that the workman is worthy of their hire and and. In scripture, the Lord called persons to go out and told them not to take anything. Mm-hmm. And there's still Christian workers who take that literally. Mm-hmm. Now, they, they, they go minimally and they really only trust in God for how that is going to, funds are going to come in monthly. So the blessing is you're living the word of God. Mm-hmm. Another blessing is that you are totally dependent on the Lord. I mean, it's, it's your breath. You are, you're literally living on God following through in his word and using the body of Christ to supply your needs. Another blessing is that you are inviting people to participate in God's work. Yes. You know, one of the big things we hear talk about now is um, human trafficking. Yes. And we won't even delve into that, what's going on in the Bahamas. Because sometimes, and even, I grew up in the tourism industry, and, and once I became aware of human trafficking, and you see this older man and this lady on his arm sometimes, you don't know if that's really his wife, or, you know, you don't know what's going on there. So we have some serious human trafficking issues that need to be dealt with. But if you are committing to, to give monthly funds for a missionary that is given who is working in human trafficking that is where god is working Mm -hmm. god is slavery is more prominent now than it ever has been in history how alarming and so that's a very great need Uh, for instance and this has changed a lot of agencies the people who work in the office now have to have paid salary because you can't have your it person not show up for work so a lot of missionaries who did administrative ministry their support was was too unstable to keep the ministries afloat. And so they had to change the salary structure. But I'm saying if you're giving to a person who is the technology person for a church or for a ministry, that's the heart of a ministry nowadays, other than the intercession and the word of God. Yes. And so you allowing someone to cause a whole ministry to function, and that is an incredible privilege. It absolutely is. Uh, maybe we could look at it that uh, when Matthew blew into Nassau, the hurricane, that it's almost like uh, you had to have a person 
on the dock holding on to the boat rope and uh, the person that's holding on to the boat rope in the hurricane of life's expenses right. as a missionary is the supporter, the right. financial one who's pledged. And exactly. you can't let go of that rope. People no. are counting on you. Yes, yes, yes. In terms of challenges, I've heard of a missionary who had one supporter. So a wealthy person felt as if God put it on their heart to support this missionary. That person's on the mission field. And that one supporter doesn't follow through. Mm -hmm. So it contributes to a lot of instability in the missionary's life. Another single missionary in my ministry, her name was Michelle Malcor. She would also say, she would say, you know, as a single person, we could eat cereal for dinner. We could eat tuna fish every night. Mm -hmm. But if you have children and you have a family, they can't do that. Mm -hmm. And so... The the family, if you're not following through with your commitment, that could cause a family to really go into, into instability. And there's a joke in Campus Crusade, you know, during staff training, they went around asking the children, what does your daddy do? And the person says, well, he checks the mailbox and drinks Coke. <laughs> because you're checking the mailbox to see how much support is coming in. Yes. And so if you, if the, the, People who committed to give aren't giving, you, you, you're in for trouble. And churches, the mission board can say, the Lord has called it on our hearts this year to give to Southeast, to give to Asia. Well, if you are in Africa or you in South America and that church was on your support team and they wrote a letter to say, God has called us or we feel impressed to give to another region of the world. That means you've lost that support. And so it could contribute to instability. It sure could. Thank you. Uh, what would you tell a person who is wondering, praying, about obeying God's call in their life to be a faith-supported Christian worker? I would say pray. <laughs> I've had missionaries say that I would tell them don't do it. I've literally heard that. And what they, especially missionaries from brown regions of the world. Faith support tends to be Anglo-Saxon, white Anglo-Saxon. So if they're from a region where people are more brown and black and Asian or yellow or red, they're not trained in that. And so if you're a brown person, you could take or, or a, a red person, you know, from a Chinese or, or they look at it as being lazy. So a person from a yellow, a Chinese region, they think of it as a strong work ethic as a person who wake up, you know, four to whatever, six, and they're working nonstop. So the fact that you feel as if God has called you now, my child, that I raised in this Chinese grocery store, you're going to the mission field, they think of that as lazy. And so for the yellow person or the brown person or the black person, the non-white person, it can be hard. So I say this to say, Really be sure that it is God calling you. I'm not, I'm not saying don't go, but nowadays mission agencies are having to be creative. For instance, you can still lead people to Christ and go and teach English as, as a second language. Yeah, sure. To, you know, in Taiwan to, to some other region of the world. So you don't have to, it doesn't have to be through by means of 
monthly support, you can still do ministry in a different way. Another way mission, a- mission agencies are working is, if you're working in South America, they're now taking the goods of the people in South America, and when they do their conferences or they go to churches, they're bringing the goods from South America, and they're selling the jewelry and the bags and so on and so forth, and the funds are going to support that ministry in South America. Mm. So there are other ways to do it. But if God is calling you and, and you say yes to that, just know that he will provide. He's promised in his word that he yes. would provide and he still does. And it is always a blessing to meet mission families whose kids have they've, they've graduated from college. Yes. And you go, oh, four kids, six kids graduated from college. Uh-huh. Campus Crusade has a family with 12 kids. And so God still provides. He absolutely does. You've been listening to Echoes of Calvary, a radio ministry of Calvary Bible Church, Nassau, Bahamas. Our morning worship services are at 8 a.m. and 11 a.m. in our sanctuary located on Collins Avenue. We encourage you to join us. Feel free to write us at eocradio at gmail.com. That's eocradio at gmail.com or P.O. Box N1684, Nassau, Bahamas. And remember, everyone needs a savior.